I really need you to pray for me. I have so much to do uh, this morning and uh, so little time to do it in. And I need either like uh, the sun to stand still like it did in the Old Testament. Uh, so I get it all in or the Lord to help us accomplish much in a little bit of time today. We begin today officially our Heart for the House stewardship campaign. And that's what the tent is for. And when you leave, you'll have the opportunity to stop by that tent and pick up some materials, uh, a packet of materials like I have here that will be more informative for your family than I even can be today. But uh, I just want you to, uh, to engage your heart in the Word for the next few moments and, and hopefully I can uh, move into some of the details. Um, Ephesians chapter 3 uh, verse number 8. Find your place there. Next Sunday, I'm going to begin the Circle Maker series on prayer. But today, we officially launch a six-week journey of faith. A six-week journey of trust. A six-week journey of learning how to hear the voice of God in a family. Our family of faith, but in our own families at home. Part of this six-week journey are 14 days worth of devotionals that we will ask your family to do in your house. And some of you may not do devotionals in your house. We've written them so they will be easy. We're going to put those into your hands in a week or so and give you the structure so that you can begin doing 14-day devotionals leading up to a time where we as a church will sit and listen to the voice of God. What will you have us to do in this next season of North Place's history? In Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 8, I want to read out of the message. It's a paraphrase version of Scripture, and then I want to read it out of the, the NIV. The message says in Ephesians 3, 8 through 10, Paul says, And so here I am, preaching and writing about things that are way over my head, the inexhaustible riches and generosity of Christ. My task is to bring out in the open and make plain what God, who created all this in the first place, has been doing in secret behind the scenes all along. Through followers of Jesus, like yourselves, gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. The wisdom of God, the plan of God, the purpose of God that has been managed secretly, only understood by God, is now being revealed on the earth. The wisdom, the plan, the purpose, the extraordinary grace of God is being revealed on the earth and, and even causing the angels in heaven to stand amazed. It is being revealed through followers of Jesus just like you, he said, gathered in churches. Listen to how it says in Ephesians 310 in the NIV. God's intent, His intent was that now through the church, everybody say through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. God's desire since the very beginning of recorded time, has been to dwell with His people. He created Adam and Eve to have fellowship with them. The first chapters of the book of Genesis tell us that He literally took afternoon walks with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden wasn't just a perfect place for Adam uh, and Eve. The Garden of Eden was a perfect place for God because that's what He always wanted. He wanted to hang out with His creation. He wanted to be with them. He longed for that intimacy. There was no temple in the Garden of Eden. There was no church building in the Garden of Eden. There was no sanctuary in the Garden because none of them were necessary. God's presence was so intimate. He was so present. The whole Garden was His sanctuary. But sin severed that relationship and separated God and man. 
So the rest of the entire Bible from Genesis 3 on is a narrative. Genesis to Revelation is one big story. It is a story of the loving pursuit of God. A faithful God pursuing an exiled people. And as you read that story, it reveals God's passion to be with His people. Because He pursues them with love and grace even when they are unfaithful to Him. His one desire from the beginning... from the Garden of Eden was simply to hang out with humanity, to let His presence dwell, His glory to walk with them like He did with Adam and Eve. But sin made that impossible. If you fast forward to the end of the book of Revelation, what was lost in paradise in the Garden of Eden, the intimacy with God, is restored in the new heavens and the new earth. But in heaven, there is no temple there either. There is no sanctuary. There is no building there. Why? Because the intimacy of God is there. His presence is so real there that it cannot be contained within a building. And so you find what was lost in Eden is restored in the end in heaven. But now we live in the in-between time between paradise lost and paradise restored. So how is the wisdom of God, the purpose of God, the plan of God going to be made known in the in-between time? If you read the Old Testament, God gives intricate details in the Old Testament about building a tabernacle when they were wandering in the wilderness or when they became more stationary as a people. He gave them detailed instructions about how to build the temple. And the reason the tabernacles and the temples of the Old Testament were so important is because those were the places where God was going to restore a little of what was lost in Eden and recapture a little taste of what will be regained in heaven. These were going to be the places where God's glory was going to come and dwell. He wanted a place to dwell with His people. So from Eden and into the wilderness wanderings, He he restored what was lost for a little bit in the holy place in the tabernacle. Then He restored it in the holy place in the temple. And yet, if you fast forward into the New Testament, you find John writing about Jesus coming to the earth. And in John 1.14, he says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God, Jesus, put on human flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory as of the glory of the only begotten Father, full of grace and truth. The word dwelt in that passage of Scripture is literally translated tabernacle. And so God is saying, I came to you in the tabernacles and the temples of the Old Testament, but now under the new covenant, my son is going to do something new. When Jesus dwelt among us, God tabernacled among humanity in the person of Jesus Christ. He was going to come near to us. His passion since Genesis 1 is to be near His creation. And the whole story of the Old Testament is God with His love for His people doing everything He can to find a way to hang out with His people. He started with a man and his family and He ended up with a people. He is great. Growing in love with His church, with His people. Now, through Jesus Christ, He comes and tabernacles with us through Christ. But notice, there is a manger, there is a cross, there is suffering. And all of that was done because it reveals God's heart to be in relationship with His people. It reveals God's heart to restore what was lost in Eden. And now because Jesus has risen from the dead and you have put your faith in Christ Jesus, the Apostle Paul now says, as a follower of Christ, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? 
Because you now believe in Jesus. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in you. Which means God is tabernacling in you. The glory that filled the tabernacle in the temple of the Old Testament is now living on the inside of you. We are the dwelling place of God. In the beginning, He took a walk with man in the garden. Sin messed all of that up. But He chose to come tabernacle or to temple with them in the Old Testament. And then He dwelt among us with Christ. And now He chooses to reveal Himself uh, because of Jesus through His church by dwelling in our lives as the temple of the Holy Spirit. The church is God's plan in the in-between time. I don't know why God has chosen frail and yet but forgiven individuals, imperfect people like you and I. But the angels, the Bible says, even stand amazed that God has chosen through the church to declare His wisdom, His extraordinary grace, His purpose and His plan to all the world. I believe that whole narrative displays to us that God has a heart for His house. God loves His church. This is the place where He dwells with His people. And those that have followed Him throughout history have shared that same passion for God's house. Remember, Scripture teaches us that we take on the traits of whatever it is we worship. We become like what we worship. So if you give your life in complete worship to the God of the Bible, you will become more like Him. You will take on more of His image. You will begin loving what He loves. You will begin pursuing what He pursues. You will begin advancing what He advances. And from the early pages of Genesis to the last pages of the book of Revelation, it becomes very clear that God is in love with the church. God has a heart for His house. It was evident that imprint of the love for God's house was placed on the psalmist David, the King David, the warrior David. Because when you read David's writings, the more he worshipped God, the more he reflected the love for God's house, the more he became like God. Psalm 122.1, David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. In Psalm 26.8, Psalmist said, Lord, I have loved the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Psalm 27 and 4, when the king boiled it all down to one thing, he was a king, a warrior, a songwriter, a lot of things. But when life was boiled down to one thing, the only thing that mattered was the presence of God in the house of God. One thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple for in the time of trouble He will hide me in His pavilion in the secret place of His tabernacle He will hide me He shall set my feet high upon a rock Psalm 92.13 makes this promise to people that have a heart for God's house those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God King David was so passionate about the house of God that he had a heart when his son Solomon was tasked with building a temple. David knew he was young and inexperienced. And as a king, David said, I will sacrificially as the leader of God's people lead a stewardship campaign and I'll be the first one in to demonstrate my heart for the house so we in Solomon's generation will build a house for the glory of God to dwell. 
First Chronicles 29 and 1. Furthermore, King David said to all the assembly, My son Solomon, who alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced, and the work is great, because the temple is not for man, but for the Lord. Listen to that. That's an important statement. The temple is not for man, but it is a place for the Lord to dwell and His fame to be extended. Verse 2, Now for the house of my God I have prepared with all my might gold for things that be made of gold, silver for things of silver, bronze for things of bronze, iron for things of irons, wood for things of wood, onyx, stones, stones to be set, glistening stones of various colors, all kinds of precious stones and marble slabs in abundance. Listen closely to verse 3. Moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of my God, I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver. It may be the first organized stewardship campaign to underwrite the funding of the house of God in the Scripture. At least it is clearly that David knew he was responsible to lead the way. He called the leaders of people to lead the way and they gave the largest offering that has ever been given in history on that day to build a place for the name of Jesus or the, the, the name of Jehovah at that moment to be extended uh, in their day and in their time. For the last 91 years, God has tabernacled among us here on this piece of property in North Place Church. He has come to hang out with His people in one way or another. In 1921, and then a man named George Estes met Jesus in a profound way. Uh, he had a relationship with God, but he encountered Jesus in a whole new way. In downtown Dallas in 1921, he came back to Saxe. He was so lit up on fire for God that he got kicked out of his church. So he didn't know what to do. He started a home prayer meeting. Other hungry people began to gather in that home prayer meeting. A lady by the name of Miss Day had tuberculosis in 1921. And that little group of fledgling believers prayed for a miracle in her life. And Miss Day was healed of tuberculosis. Word started spreading and more and more people started gathering in that little house till they went to more than one one house and before long a church was born out of that community a church was born they moved into an empty bank building for a while until they were able in 1925 to purchase a lot on this very location where we are and over the time of years they built and expanded they invested they took steps of faith they had courage they took risk in order to get where we are today they didn't do it for them they did it for us and I believe God has given us the opportunity to be the tether. In the same way they were the tether between the past and today, we are the tether between today and tomorrow. We have the opportunity to make decisions for the same reason they did. To bring glory to God. To reach the lost and the broken of this community. But to ensure the next generation of people who find Christ at North Place Church will have a house to glorify the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are in that season of decision, that moment of destiny, asking God, Lord, how would you have us act in the same faith that our spiritual ancestors have acted in? I call these things life-defining moments where God marks your life, an LDM. 
And there are those of you in this room who have had an LDM in this building or maybe an older building before this one was built in the 80s where God marked you with His presence. Maybe you were saved here. Maybe you were baptized here. Maybe you were married here. Maybe one of the most sorrowful moments of your life you received comfort when you buried a loved one here. You dedicated your children here. You met friends that have impacted your life and will forever. You've been called into ministry here. There are things that have happened that have defined your moment forever. It should not surprise us that those life-defining moments happen through the church in the house of God because He promised in Ephesians 3.10 His intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God would be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realm. God is in love with His church. Friend, I'm a pastor today because I share that love. I am in love with the church. I believe the local church is the hope of the world. I believe in a lot of ministries and parachurch organizations and I believe in them but lasting change and local communities will only be lasting if they are connected to people who live and breathe and work in that community. The local church is the hope of the world and I believe that's one of the reasons. The reason it's the hope of the world is because God is in love with His church. My family has had many life-defining moments in the front of this building or one of the departments of this church. But one of them came the first day we ever walked in here. I just started doing the math just this week. I didn't realize it. But seven years ago today, it was September the 11th, but it was the second Sunday of September, seven years ago today. Haley and I were candidate pastors at this church I walked into the 8.30 service and preached and Haley and I walked with our kids into that side room right there and sat down and I had to give, uh, there was a business meeting that night to elect us um, and I, we had to decide whether or not we were going to let our name stand for election from the congregation and I was struggling and I voiced it to Haley and I don't know, I don't know and, and, and all I can describe to her is honey this is a, it feels strange, it feels foreign and I guess the only reason I use those two words is because we came from uh, a very um, strongly influenced African American church, the worship was black gospel, we had a, a hundred member robed choir and a Hammond B3 organ and, and there were more African Americans than there were whites and there's a whole culture that goes with that. And obviously the, the music was different, the culture was different, not wrong, just different. And when I said to her, I just don't know this is right, I don't know if, if we're, we're going to do these people justice, maybe our personalities are so different. And, and I said, it's a strange and foreign place. So we decided back there off of the cuff because of that, that I would preach the 1030 service, I would let the elders know that we weren't going to come to the business meeting and we would begin to pray with them for, for them to find their new pastor. And so... Um, and when I came out of the side room, uh, one of the elders, Alec Morris at the time, came to me and said, Pastor, I see your face is heavy with burden and indecision. Please, as much as we would love for you to let your name stand in the business meeting for election, don't feel pressure from us. You do what God says. And so it was a, it was a graceful relief on my heart. So I preached the 1030 service, had every indication after that service to tell them we wouldn't be at the business meeting. I walked over here and I stood about where that TV screen is. Is I was standing in that very spot facing the congregation as Pastor John Cruz came to conclude the service at 10.30. In the middle of that, the Spirit of God began to move. 
there was a conviction in the place after the preaching of the word. And, and so uh, there was a prophetic word given that day to this body. And anybody listening to that prophetic word would have assumed that, th- that it was a word for somebody who was here, unfamiliar with church, and they were, they were uh, convicted away from God and needed to come home. But the word, and I'm paraphrasing it, but it used these words. The word was this. You have come to a place that is strange and foreign. But I promise you, if you trust me and surrender your life to my will, I will take what is strange and foreign and I will make it your home. At the end of that word, you know, everybody typically when you learn our culture like that, your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. But Haley and I looked up and we caught eyes because we knew supernaturally that the spirit had been eavesdropping on our conversation and had a plan that was beyond our finding out. And my daughter at that moment, Addie, who's almost nine, she turns nine this month, was a little baby uh, at the time or, or, or barely walking. And, and, and she, she, was, she, she didn't like anybody to, but her mama. I mean, she didn't even like me at the time. She didn't want anybody but her mom. And, and so I looked up, and our host and hostess for that weekend was Gary and Cherie Sutton. And I looked up right after that prophetic word that day, and I said, God, is that you? And I looked and saw Addie laying her head on Cherie Sutton's shoulder. And the Holy Spirit whispered to me, when your daughter finds rest in the arms of a stranger, you have found home. Now, it... Seven years to the day, I'm telling you, friend, God has taken through time and several life-defining moments. It was the supernatural power of God that sent us here. It has been the supernatural power of God that has kept us here. And it is the supernatural power of God that makes us more excited than we have ever been in our life for what God has in store. There were prophetic words over what God was going to do in this church before I was ever born. And some of those things are coming to fruition today and we get to be alive in the generation when some of them will continue to be fulfilled in our day and our time. We've been handed a baton in a race. We are stewards of a legacy. It is our time. It is our moment. This is our season to create life-defining moments for people that have yet to walk through the doors of this church in the next generation. I can't, um, I know there are guests here today. Uh, there are people here who've been burnt in the past by misuse of funds and charities and churches. There are cynical people anytime churches look to do anything. When Walmart expands, people don't say a lot. When a church decides it wants to expand, everybody questions every motive in the room. You know what? You know why our elders want to expand? is because there is a literal lid on what we can do when it comes to missions. Um, we're, we're not wealthy people in North Place. There's some people that are materially blessed that attend church here, but by and large, the majority of people that attend church here, we're wily saxy folks, garland folks. We're not wealthy people. I'm going to give my little, my family and I, if you give your little, and God tells us what that little is, and all of our littles come together, it'll be enough. That's all that matters. And all that we're asking you to do is on this first day of a six-week journey is to put yourself in a listening position before God. Not one thing more than God says to you. And if God tells you not to be a part and give anything, then you be obedient to Him. 
I, we just, we, we believe this is God's deal. We're leaving it to Him. We didn't even try. Every time we tried to put this on the back burner, something would happen. It would, God would say, it's time. I want to be involved. It's now. And so we've just followed those little breadcrumbs that He's laid on the table to get us to this point. We're not building a cathedral. The building is really functional. It, we're going to represent the Lord in excellence, but it is not an expensive building. It costs a lot of money because it costs a lot to do anything. But we're not building anything. We're, building, we're getting as structurally sound but inexpensive as we possibly can to do what God says to do. You know why? I want to be able to get all of our littles together and increase the amount of littles that we have here because I didn't like turning away 4,000 people at the backpack giveaway. I want to, I want to do more stoves in Mozambique. I don't want to just have one Royal Family Kids Camp every year. We don't have the volunteers or the funds to do anymore. I don't want to be limited by that. I have a heart. I, got, I haven't even said this before. i got 20 rural church pastors coming in in January that I have the privilege of pouring into because I, God's given me a heart to revitalize and help establish churches in rural America. I call them water tower towns. And so I'm pouring into churches, young pastors that have 200 or less people in towns of about six, 7,000 people all over America. And God, is somewhere in the back of my mind is, Lord, can you help us have a facility that we can train leaders that will go into rural America? And if we can have a network of churches with our church in rural America, from Kansas to Oklahoma to Wyoming to California to wherever, 50 churches of 200 people, we could impact 10,000 people in the heartland of America if we had a place to train those leaders. And it'd be a mission right here in America. America. International churches where we don't just send dollars, we send people and plant churches and they stay there and they're a part of our network of churches. We, but we can't make that happen with the limitations that we have here. Not to mention the lives are going to be transformed on that facility, in that building. This isn't just about us. The power of God that changed George Estes in 1921 is still changing people today. And it's always been about the people that have yet to come. So let me, let me give you some instruction. That big tent you saw when you came in is a distribution tent. In just a moment, we're going to ask a representative from every, one, one representative from every family to go pick up your packet. And it has a brochure with more details than I have time to share today. And uh, explanation about some key dates in the process. And the DVD that I just showed you, one for every family in this packet. So you can go watch it in more detail in your home. And so um, in a moment when we dismiss, one representative from each family. If you're a single parent and you have kids in child care um, in, in, in children's ministry today, we want you to go get your packet first. So you don't have to feel like you're going through the line in order to get your children. Uh, get, you go through the line, get your stuff, and then go back. We'll keep your kids. Then you go back and get your kids. Um, did I say something wrong? Okay. Somebody laughed. I, I got so many things going through my head. I'm like, I probably, I probably just said something really stupid. Like, go get your kid and uh, get your packet in child care. I, I, I didn't know, but I didn't know what I said. But you know what I mean if I said it wrong. Your, your distribution is divided up by the, 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 you go first look for a city. Whatever city that you get your mail from the church in, not if you get your mail in a different place than you live, it's the city where you get your mail. And if you'll go back there and look under the city and then the first letter of your last name, it will help things go smoothly. If we don't have your information on file, then there's probably not a packet with your name on it. But we have another table for you to pick up a packet. If you're a first-time guest today, things like this sometimes scare first-time guests away. 
And for some people it says, wow, this is the place I want to be. So if you're interested in this journey, then there's a packet without names that you can go back there and there'll be somebody to point you in the right place for that. Can I just challenge you to take your family through the process? Um, start today, get a packet. Beginning tomorrow, Haley and I will be, do, we'll be doing two vision dessert meetings a night. Beginning tomorrow night. If you've gotten an invitation to a vision dessert, we challenge you to come be with us there. Haley and I are going to be at every one of those meetings. Uh, almost two a night for the next month. And uh, if you've been invited to one, would you let us know? RSVP, call the church, let us know you're coming. If you haven't or you haven't got invited, we didn't have your information, you can stop by the registration desk. I'm doing eight this week, I think, tomorrow, two, Tuesday, two. Uh, I'd love to, to connect with you in a small group setting and be able to share with you more information that I have time to share with you today. So get the packet, go to a vision dessert. The small group meeting, Circle Maker, that's about prayer for all of this. That's the backdrop. The vision dessert is separate. That's more about information and vision I'd really love for you to connect with one of those and you can sign up for one at the guest table today at the guest reception in the back. Take your family through those 14 days of devotions. We're going to give you those devotion guides next week or the next. We're going to get them into your hands. And Let me just say this before we walk out the door. We're praying for miraculous provision. When we were at a stalemate as a board, some businessmen who needed to invest some money for tax reasons, who are they're Christians, uh, most of them have no connection at all to our church, but they were looking at, they knew we wanted to build, so they were going to buy some of our excess property, and they looked at buying this church building to give us the capital to, to do what God's called us to do. It would help them, it would help us. That didn't work. Didn't work out for them. And in the process of all of this, they, they found out about us. They heard about our vision. They believed in what was going on, and they called us back and said, we would like to invest. We can't buy your church, but building and we can't buy your property so you have the money to relocate but we would like to invest something but here's the hope it doesn't offend you but here's the catch we want to make sure your people are as committed to your vision as we are and so what we're willing to do is in our trust fund we will set aside half a million dollars of giving to your vision your church and when your people are able to raise that and meet that, we will release those funds. So it means for the first half a million dollars given, every dollar becomes two dollars because of people, um, most of which don't even have connection to this church. They're business people and they're investing in this thing. That one thing was another little crumb that said, okay, that doesn't happen every day. God might be saying, I'm raising up resources not from not even within your body. I'm sending them to you in order to do what I want to do because He knows this is bigger than us. So with our little together, and who knows what else He'll do before we're done, I believe this can happen. On the 30th of September, we'll meet back on a Sunday night, that's a Sunday night, and ask the congregation to officially approve this journey. It will be... It's all contingent on the formal approval by this body as we notate it and legalize it. And so mark that, that information's there as well. Stand with me, would you? And I'm going to ask if you, before I pray the blessing today, if you're a single parent or you're that representative from your family, that one representative for your household, if you would go ahead and make your way to the, to the tent out back, if you don't mind, so that we kind of mitigate a little bit of the, the, uh, the chaos. So one representative from each family if you would go get your packet single parents go get your packet then your kids if you want to head that way 
I want to pray a blessing. Father, in the strong name of Jesus, Lord, would you help us reach more and do more? That's our number one objective, is to glorify your name and reach more and do more. I don't know how to do it. I'm out of my league. This is bigger than us. We don't have the the resources or even the smarts to pull this off. But you have one by one dropped crumbs in our way that say you keep confirming for us to move forward. And so here we are. Lord, would you build unity in the body? Would you provide? I pray that what Paul said later on after Ephesians 3.10, 10 verses later in verse 20, he says, And now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we could ever ask or think by the power of him who works in us, be glory to him in the church, to all generations, forever and ever ever. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.